0: Hey there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in mobile healthcare, which leverages smartphone technology to reach patients all over the world at lower costs. Then this is the episode for you, because my next guest is the CEO and founder of ClickMedics, an award-winning mHealth-connected platform designed to facilitate telehealth, disease management, and health education services through mobile technologies. But before I introduce you to Ting Shi, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out bright and early on Monday mornings, and it's got unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. And please check out my new live streaming show every week on LinkedIn. I'll be interviewing guests. I'm taking your questions and featuring your comments all live to help college students and young professionals turn your degrees into careers you'll love. Just click on the link in show notes to follow me on LinkedIn, so you'll get a heads up when the show is live, so you can tune in. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Ting Shi, the CEO and founder of ClickMedics, an award-winning M Health social enterprise that she actually conceived of while she was still a student at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, also known as MIT. ClickMedics' mission has been to enable health organizations To serve more patients, and that happens from Uganda to the United States, from Chile to China, and from Ghana to Guatemala, all at lower costs. Ting has implemented mobile health programs across more than 20 countries in North America, South America, Africa, and Asia, serving more than a million patients to address chronic diseases and infectious diseases. Through ClickMedics' M Health Connected platform. Prior to ClickMedics, Ting worked for a decade designing and launching technology services for the U.S. Department of Defense, a global pharmaceutical company, an education startup, and at a management consulting firm. Ting, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? absolutely bright and early. I <laughs> are you still savoring your Mallorca coffee? Nope, that's gone. <laughs> oh no, I should have given you I should have given you time. Do you do you want to go make yourself no, another no, cup? No.
1: no, I've got now an energy drink. Oh, okay. All right.
0: Well, I'm guessing you need a lot of energy to do what you're yeah. doing right now with medics and there is so much about your career journey and what you're doing now, Ting, that I so admire. But before we get into more about what ClickMedics does for patients all around the world, I thought maybe we could flash back to when you were a grad student at MIT, because at least for me, I know many of us view our time in college and grad school. I didn't go to grad school, so I can relate to the college experience as a time when we're learning from books in the classroom, but not necessarily a time when we have the opportunity to build the foundation of a future business, which is exactly what you did. Can you share with our young listeners, Ting, what class you were taking at MIT while you were simultaneously getting your master's and MBA, and what the assignment was that ended up planting the seeds for what you're growing today?
1: Sure. That's a great question. During my first year of the two years for business school at MIT, I was in an MIT media lab course called Development Ventures. And our assignment was simply stated as, create a business that will impact over a billion people go. <laughs> so, so you know, we took it to heart. And, and remember, this was 10 years ago when we didn't have iPhones or anything. But what we did know is that our team was passionate about improving healthcare. And if we want to reach a billion people, it's got to be something they can access. And in many of these places, people have mobile phones. And some of them don't even have electricity or clean water, but they have access to a mobile phone. So we literally put two and two together, mobile, healthcare, (laughs) and started to form the idea of what we can do with it. So the initial idea was to program a Nokia phone that will have a small questionnaire that will allow the patient or the nurse to enter the patient information, including pictures, and that gets transmitted to a doctor remotely, who can then come back with potential diagnosis and what to do to help the patient. And that actually worked. And we started out in Sub-Saharan Africa, mainly to see if we can go to the hardest environment with nothing available, no doctors, (laughs) no clean water, no electricity, but there is a mobile phone, and make it work. And it actually did. And I think a part of that is, and, and a part of the class assignment was to also submit our idea into the MIT 100K competition, which was very helpful in forcing us through the entire process of creating a business plan and showing that we have some pilot proof that it works and that we understand the market and the need and how to make it a reality. And we actually ended up winning the business plan competition. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. Well, so they have different categories The social entrepreneurs is the 30,000, which is more than enough for us to actually hire a tech team to build out our technology on a mobile application. So, I mean that the experience literally started it all. And luckily, I was just in my first year. So I had a full two years in grad school to really flesh out this idea, form a solid team, and literally work with my professors and other people in the network to form more pilots. I think by the time I graduated, I did a pilot in five countries in sub-Saharan Africa, along with UPenn and a number of other partners. And literally, I traveled for the whole summer to just do pilots one after another. And then we also extended it to the U.S. There's certainly a need for healthcare for, right now it's called telemedicine, remote healthcare through devices, smartphones, and now a whole suite of portable diagnostics devices.
0: Absolutely. What an incredible story. And as you shared with me and our listeners, In the Espresso Shots episode that we just recorded in, please check out show notes for this episode to see if Ting's Espresso Shots episode has already dropped. That's for those of you who are actually interested in breaking into healthcare technology. You shared that growing up in Taiwan, you lived with your grandparents and your grandparents' had a number of chronic illnesses and they were going back and forth from hospitals and doctors and and that really opened your eyes to the need for better healthcare, cheaper healthcare. I'm curious, did any of the other MIT students in your class who participated with you in this assignment come from any countries outside mm. of the US and did they bring that experience into this assignment as
1: well yeah for sure we have a very international team a couple from southeast asia south asia the us obviously and um europe so it's actually a very international team and thus is also the nature of mit community people come from all sorts of experiences so it was you know really fascinating kind of linking up the like minds, but really different skill sets and perspectives. So that was, you know, the team experience was quite incredible on its own as well.
0: Well, certainly the idea that you and your teammates conceived of could have stayed on that piece of paper, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you won that MIT competition and got $30,000 and that was the genesis Of the first company you started called Click Diagnostics, where you worked as a co-founder and chief operating officer and tested out your idea, as you mentioned there, you ran mobile health pilot projects in over 10 countries in Africa, South Asia, the Middle East, and North America. What was the headline, Ting, out of these pilot projects and the research that you did along with the pilot projects?
1: I think one of the main learnings is really the fact that this is really, really needed. I mean, we did pilots in so many countries, mainly from word of mouth, mainly through partnership with very strong entities that already have a prey in these places. So if it worked in one place, we just replicate it. I think the scalability, replication, and the obvious need are sort of the takeaways in terms of the early experience. I think what we also learned is the technology also needed to be very robust and scalable. We certainly built the technology in multiple times as in we built it, oh, it wasn't great, scrapped it, built it from the ground up again. And I think that's certainly another learning in terms of the the early programs.
0: So when you started click diagnostics was a social enterprise, and for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with what a social enterprise is, could you please explain what that means and why you wanted to found a social enterprise?
1: Yeah, I think social enterprise has a lot of meanings, but the main focus of social enterprises is to create impact. You mentioned earlier, our entire mission is to improve the lives of over billions of people, and. A second part is, as a social enterprise, it's not a nonprofit. We are, as part of our mission, to generate revenues because if you have revenues, then you're not dependent on donations, and then you can actually build a business model that will be self-fulfilling. And A lot of what we do is work with business partners, charge them a fee for the service we provide. They're seeing better results at the end, they end up with cost savings then we get more partners to do that. So a flywheel effect starts generating, right? If you can sustain yourself as a business, as a social enterprise, then in turn, you can do more good to help more organizations, to help more patients by empowering them through your technology. So it's this twofold of creating impact and revenues that then generates more impact. To me, that's really the core of what social enterprises do.
0: Love it. So, how have you taken what you learned from Click Diagnostics, which you ran for several years, and then step things up in Medics, which you founded in 2011?
1: I think for one, is the technology platform needed an overhaul, and when we were working as Click Diagnostics. The smartphones weren't smart enough, so they <laughs> definitely needed to be changed. So, you know, with the advent of better Androids and iPhones, so that certainly changed our platform infrastructure. We started as mobile first by the nature of what's needed, which is a very portable, easy to use mobile device that could do mostly everything you need to deliver healthcare and So that was one of the key thing is to create a whole new platform that is mobile first, supports smartphones, and has a very robust backend. Because when we first started, we were managing just single diseases like dermatology, HIV, some cancer screenings. And there's then the demand for uh, chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease. And therefore, your patient record system needs to be way more robust. It needs to track a patient over time over numerous years. And what we also added in the recent year is the artificial intelligence piece that would then be able to look at the data and actually start to predict disease progression. So we have one collaboration with University of Warwick on gestational diabetes prediction. That means pregnant mothers, whether they may or may not get diabetes, and actually be able to prevent the diabetes from happening in the first place. And therefore, they won't have any more complications with our prediction methodology. And I think having all of that in a very robust technology build is so important. That's why we rebuilt our system about literally 10 times at least wow. to make sure it can accommodate and be what we call future proof. Looking ahead of, let's say iPhone, it's coming up with LiDAR technology that could then give us a three-dimensional view of a space. mean we're looking at computer vision and looking at, okay, what do we need to do on the platform side in order to support those? And then to be able to bring out services and products that support computer vision, actually automatically identifying risk factors like falls or other issues, the possibilities are endless. And all of that from the very first initial three years or so with click diagnostics, I'd say it wasn't easy at all. There were a lot of work to be done to figure out what is a technology platform that could make all of these issues that we encounter go away and be very easy to solve. And I think a second part is certainly the funding stream. I think that's the biggest struggle with any social enterprise. On the one hand, you're a lot of people perceive it as a nonprofit, and I've gotten that all the time. Oh, you're a nonprofit. Not true. Although you can be a social enterprise and a nonprofit as well. In any case, the goal and the key part is how do you Describe what you do so that either customers pay you or your funders believe what you do and therefore invest in your business so that you have the baseline amount of funding to grow the product lines and conduct your business. And I think that's really another takeaway to figure out how do we tune that process, and incorporate that into ClickMedics so that it is a viable social enterprise that's generating revenue and creating impact. Have you started generating
0: revenue and what has been your source of funding, I guess, since you started?
1: We've been generating revenue since year one and profitable since year one. You go, girl. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'd say, you know, the prior experience with Click Diagnostic definitely, definitely helped because by the time we have Click Medics, the platform's being rebuilt and working. And I already know all the pros and cons and so, so you know, building it a second time, definitely very helpful. So, you know, having a product definitely help accelerate getting the revenues. Most of our revenues have been from customers. We also have a strategic investor, DAI Global, also based in Maryland and Bethesda. That's our seed investor. Then another source of income or funding comes from competitions. And so these are business plan competitions, kind of following how we earned our first amount of funding. ClickMedics was in a number of business plan competitions that generated us more than a quarter million dollars over the years. So, those are the three main sources. And our core is still revenues from selling the product and services. Got it. Oh my gosh, that is
0: incredible. So, can you lay out for us, Ting, what the services are that ClickMedics offers? I know, for example, A friend of mine was recently in the hospital and she mentioned that her doctor took out his phone and using his phone did a sonogram, (laughs) which is like, Hmm. what? I can't believe that technology is there. What kinds of services is ClickMedics offering here in North
1: America and in various countries around the world? Sure. I'll start with North America. In North America, our clients are insurance companies. They are hospitals. They are assisted living facilities. Basically, organizations that are taking care of patients. They have doctors. They have nurses. And their staff, doctors and nurses, use our technology when they are face-to-face or remotely with patients to collect patient symptoms information, capture all of that and either transmit that to a remote doctor or aggregate all the data to figure out what we call a risk profile of that patient. I mentioned earlier about artificial intelligence, we take that set of data, so over a million, we have other partners that contribute to over 40 million data within the US population, and we can actually pinpoint populations by zip code that would be prone to diabetes and those that would be more likely to be hospitalized. So the work is on analysis, population health, and that frontline facilitation of care delivery, and then certainly that telemedicine component. All of that, if you can imagine, what is the best healthcare I could get sitting in my house, tap on a button, and then I've got access to the rest of my healthcare for lower cost than anything else. That's what we provide. Mm. When you founded
0: Click it was roughly nine years. Before the coronavirus started spreading around the world, making it next to impossible or certainly a much higher risk for those of us who are living in the developed world, let alone those in the developing world, to see a doctor in person. How has this public health crisis team impacted the telehealth
1: industry? I think it has definitely helped the telehealth industry. So telehealth as a concept and policy in the U.S. and other parts of the world have been around for more than 20 years. And the reason for the lack of adoption is in some of the policies that made it very restrictive, especially in the U.S., to practice telemedicine. There's certain insurance codes and there's certain rules. You have to be with the patient and another doctor, consulting with a specialist. So So many rules and nuances made it difficult for doctors to go and practice it but with the pandemic there are a lot of what we call waivers that basically said you can do a video call with the patient in any way you can Skype FaceTime Zoom whatever you can do that legally for the period where these these policies are called waived so that definitely helped a lot of doctors to practice telemedicine and hence the helping the patients also use telemedicine or video consults, and there's been huge boom in this industry. If you look at video technology like Zoom, its stock has multiplied many folds because of this pandemic. And I think what we're seeing, it's really quite unprecedented in terms of the silver lining for how pandemic is actually dramatically advancing use of digital technologies, especially in healthcare. And this type of progress would otherwise take maybe another 10 years. And now we just all have to do it because you can't really safely go see your doctor physically and you can use video means. And I think what's also fascinating is these technologies have proven to be all available. They were just lacking the policy adoption and then the doctor adoption. And I think one of the last miles or adoption group is the senior patients. And that's one of the areas we're focusing on is how do we help a senior at home use telemedicine tools with suite of diagnostics like a blood pressure cuff so that they can do a video consult or talk to their doctor and get the care they need amidst this pandemic. And I think what's also interesting is this model of care has also proven to be obviously more convenient, lower cost and effective. So. We believe it's going to stay, even past the pandemic. Once you've adopted, right? Why would you ever go backwards? So that part is actually fascinating and exciting at the same time. Yeah, amazing.
0: So, could you take us into what you are doing right now in your current role, the role that you've had as CEO and founder of ClickMedics? Where are your energies going? What are the primary functions? of your job team?
1: Yeah, I'd say a founder certainly is to set the strategic vision, which is, as you know, towards our mission, which is improve the health of over a billion people. And to do that, we have to look at external forces, and internal forces. So external would be obviously pandemic, that's the obvious one. And then how are people using technology? What technologies are available? And then internally look at what resources or teams or skills or hires that I need to do in order to have a product offering that will meet the strategic vision. So to be more tangible, in the U.S., we focus a lot on what we call population health, working with insurance companies and working with providers that are doctors and nurses to connect with patients with chronic diseases. Many of them are seniors. Many of them are not mobile, can't get to the doctor. It's actually very similar to all the issues we're seeing in the global markets. can access doctors, uh, low ability to afford it, and all these barriers to get to the doctors. So what we're focusing on is equipping the nurses and doctors with the tools and technology and data sets that they need, provide predictive analytics to help identify which of those million patients actually need the intervention or help right now, and is it safe to do a home visit with the nurse? Or do we have to train them and help them set up for a telemedicine visit and manage them remotely? And through that, we're providing telemedicine kits. Literally, it's a size of, well, everything can fit in my purse, has everything they need. And everything we do is called one-click user interface. So you tap on a button, then it gets into your doctor, and then you can basically read off the screen to take a blood pressure or glucose or a number of other measures to literally simulate the same experience as an in-person visit, but completely virtually.
0: Mm. Oh my gosh. It is, it's just so amazing to think of all of the resources that are available to us now virtually.
1: Yes. And I think you mentioned um, the various devices where a doctor could use, just use a phone And the way we bring on those is literally to curate around the world one of the best, coolest, easiest to use devices that are also at a good cost point in order to incorporate into our telemedicine kit. And I think the harder part is with all these devices, they all have their own app, right? So if you are asking a nurse to download five apps and use each one of them during a patient visit to then talk to a doctor, that becomes very cumbersome, therefore not used. So we're Literally incorporating everything into one app, our app, and that then initiate any kind of device that's connected to our network.
0: Fantastic. Ting, if you were in college right now, as some of our listeners are, and you were listening to this interview and thinking, wow, you know, all of this sounds super interesting. Maybe I want to get into telehealth and to mHealth first. What are the range of career opportunities for our young listeners that this industry has created? And whether that be already created pre coronavirus or since the coronavirus, what opportunities are there for young people in the ecosystem that exists in healthcare technology?
1: I think even during college, What's so important is getting onto projects that are ongoing within your school. Many professors have a number of projects that are more or less research oriented, working with industry partners to try to deploy health technologies or technologies in general. And I think that's a really good way to just getting your feet wet and experience what it's like in that career path with actual tangible projects where you can see how you can contribute to that. And that could also lead to jobs after graduating. And if you are job seeking, certainly there are a number of healthcare or technology companies. And really, in truth, every health organization has some technology component. They may not be the ones who are experts in healthcare technology, but they certainly need people who can help them with the technology component. And that could be another area to look into. could be a hospital system that has an IT department. It could also just be a, a healthcare technology company that are looking for analysts and entry-level people just like you. So I think there's really no limit as to the job opportunities there are, especially during this pandemic. Anything virtual has openings for hiring. Healthcare is always needed. That's not going to go away. So I certainly, think there are many ways to look, and I'd also look just around you. Volunteering is also an easy way to kind of understand what people do in the jobs and make your and network and make friends and see if you can get a actual full time job from volunteering opportunities. Yeah, it's really about initiative. If you're interested, people in healthcare are genuinely, genuinely nice people that just want to help. So never, never hurts to ask. And I think what's important is to figure out what you think your purpose in life is and how do you build a career path to be fulfilling to that. And for those who
0: may not have studied technology, we did get into this in our Espresso Shots interview. Again, check out show notes to see if Ting's Espresso Shots episode has already dropped. But you were saying it doesn't matter. Even if you studied liberal arts, you can mm-hmm. still get into this field. And there are different tracks around, or I should say, in addition to the engineering tech side. And that includes things like sales, marketing, mm-hmm. communications, all of these these skill sets are in demand. And I'd have to imagine, Ting, that they're going to be more in demand now because of the coronavirus.
1: Yeah, for sure. All of those are needed. And particularly in our organization, we look for what we call product managers because our platform is configurable in terms of what disease we're trying to manage and what organization we're trying to serve. So what's more important to us is understanding what are the customers' needs, how are they delivering healthcare, and how do we then set up our technology to assist in that. None of that, you don't need to know how to program. You do need to be open to talking to programmers. I think that would be really the only very somewhat tech touch point. Other than that, it's about how do you solve a problem our customer is having? And then how do you use our platform to try to achieve that? And how do you communicate what's needed to everybody, to your customers, to your team, and to people you work with? For
0: those who are not familiar with product managers or product management, check out the Time for Coffee website, timethenumber4coffee.org. And tomorrow, we're recording this on a Tuesday in the middle of October. And coincidentally, tomorrow, I am releasing an episode with a young product manager at LinkedIn. That episode will already be out there when Ting's main time for coffee interview goes live, Alex Velaitis is his name, and he talks in detail about what product managers do. It is a very fast growing, high demand type of skill set and job. And if you are interested in this field, please check out Alex's episode to learn more about it. Ting, what classes? do you think our listeners who are still in college right now should be taking to help them break into healthcare tech? Let's say they're liberal arts majors, not studying engineering or computer science, whatever the case may be. What if they could take one or two classes that would give them a window into this world and give them a little bit of a foundation? What do you think would be useful for them?
1: maybe a little biased. I certainly think an entry level programming course is just helpful. I mean, if you look at everything, every business, there's some technology component. And just having that on your resume is just helpful for anyone that's hiring that, you know, no matter what major, but you at least have been exposed to programming. Also doesn't matter what grade you get from there. I mean, I understand it can be very challenging, but I think it's just great to have an you are trying to do anything technology-oriented, you don't have to measure in it, I'd say highly recommend taking a course in it. I think another area that's really quite easy to get into, and there are plenty of tutorials. It's artificial intelligence or machine learning. Just understanding the concept of that, and to be very realistic, having those on your resume will up your salary. And I think if you are looking for a product management job, it's a pretty high-paying job as well. And if you have those courses complementing the rest of your resume and passion and some project, we are set for a really great, pretty high-paying, above-average career.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. So let's flashback very quickly to when you were in college. You graduated from Carnegie Mellon with a Bachelor of Science in computer science. Did you know what you were gonna do with that degree when you
1: graduated, Ting? Absolutely not. <laughs> and and it was I think I struggled for four years to figure out what I wanna do when I graduated. And after that I think I had a new job every year, defense, pharmaceutical. I was at NASA for a summer internship. Honestly none of them made me feel as purposeful as I do now. And you know, I think your degree doesn't decide what you want to do, and it may not help you to figure out what your ultimate career and what makes you happy would be. Purpose of a degree certainly is to help you get to that first job. And I think on-the-job experiences inform you so much more on what you like, what you don't like, what you really want to do in life. It may not be your first job, but your first job definitely helps. And onto my first job. My first job was with Department of Defense. I worked through Northrop Grumman, which is a contractor to the Department of Defense. And I was working with the former chief technology officer of Department of the Army to come up with what's called an integrated digital environment. What that meant is how to create and design Weapon systems over the entire lifetime of at least 20 years so that our soldiers in the front line can get the best equipment. And if they break, we can provide fixes very quickly and support our soldiers. So really different than what I'm doing now. I was but just I thinking think that, that concept. <laughs> that concept of integrated digital environment actually did stick with me. That's one of the core concepts we have within Click Medics, except we're supporting doctors and nurses and patients as the soldiers on the front line. I mean, I still went to that because there was an opening and they needed my degrees. And, you know, it was a really great learning experience, but certainly different, very different than what I'm doing now. And later on in my probably fourth job, I found out I really, really just love healthcare, what it can do to help people. Ting, were there
0: any Extracurricular activities or clubs or volunteer work, part time jobs that you were involved in while you were an undergrad that, in hindsight, you think actually helped you hone skills that were valuable to you when you got out
1: into the working world? Yeah, I'd say work during college. I worked many jobs to support myself. One of my favorite jobs is being an RA, resident advisor or assistant for different dormitories. And you know, you may be surprised, but I'm really, really an introvert. And having that job where I'm supposed to make sure my residents and the dormitories are taken care of, it kind of brought me out of my shell, made me an extrovert. So now I think I'm an introvert, extrovert, depending on the situation. And I think many of the people who are listening to this, you might think you're shy, <laughs> but if you need to get something done and you need to communicate with people, you can come out of your show and actually, you know, make true what you want to do. And I think that particular job really, really was transformative to me in terms of who I am, what my personalities are, and that I really do love learning about people and helping people. And I think that's one of the seeds that was planted early during my college times. And I think through that, I realized all of a sudden that I am an extrovert or can be. And then I joined many, many club activities. So there was a group that I helped found called Women at SCS, which is, you know, computer science, there are very few women there. So as soon as we had close to 50% enrollment in the the new freshman year, we thought we can form a club. And we (laughs) did. (laughs) And it's uh, one of the best experiences working with other women in computer science and we literally had the same struggles, no idea what we're trying to do, programming, how is this helping people, or is there a project, or what do we do? How do we get access to you know more opportunities and jobs, all of that. And it was just great to be working with other people to create the environment that we want. We want to talk to Google. We got Google. We got Google. We shared it with the rest of the school. Being involved in the community was just really helpful to kind of figure out. Whoops you happy, you know, and maybe you're not the type that want to be in community, but there could be projects where you work with a much smaller group, maybe just a professor on some real world problems to me, what was helpful throughout college is understanding what I'm doing and how does that apply to the real world and I know in the academic career, sometimes you're just doing homework and solving problem sets. it just seems so far from the real world. And they can tell you the real world is much easier. You get paid to do less work than you're doing in college, how I feel. And you're much happier and you're doing what you want to do. So I think definitely seize the opportunity, do something beyond getting the grades and the classes. And, and I think even even more so than when I was in college, there were more opportunities for projects and future curriculums. So definitely, definitely do that and figure out what What you like to do makes you happy.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, I only have two final questions for you, Ting. Could you share a time in your professional life when you really struggled? Maybe you even failed. And the most important thing here is how you persevered, how you got through it, and if there was a lesson that you may have learned in the process?
1: Yeah. I think one of the main failures that I learned so much from is actually failing my first company, Click Diagnostics. Earlier in the conversation, we talked about lots of pilots, 10 countries, all of that great. But I didn't have a robust technology platform that could actually withstand the scaling portion of it as we were growing. What was so painful is that I had to literally, as the supports and requests were coming, we were, the team was completely overwhelmed and we are able to provide the best service to our customer and we had to literally shut down the company. That was so sad. It literally was like my baby died. But then I think back at what we actually did and what I need to do differently, which is new technology, new team, new business direction, new market, new everything. And that all of that could be done. And I've already done it one time, I could do it again. Plus. I could name myself CEO and founder. That was also very important <laughs> as a woman in tech. <laughs> that was my personal goal. I wanted to get there. I like the title, and I want it. <laughs> so, so you know, those thinking got me through. I think I had about six months of downtime to kind of figure out how do I regroup? Do I give up? Do I not? I think the mission is just so important, and that the early successes. Are also so telling in terms of validating. This is needed. I need to do it. If I don't do it, who's gonna do it? So I need to do it. So you know, basically took six months to regroup and then started ClickMedics. I'd say without Click Diagnostics, I wouldn't have known how to build the next company, the one ClickMedics that's now scaling and working and doing everything I wanted to do. So I think that was a traumatic experience, but also the best thing that's happened in perspective to the company currently.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ting. Final question. If you could go back to college, back to Carnegie Mellon and do it all over again, but based on the incredible wisdom that you have now, what advice would you give yourself?
1: So when I was in college, there wasn't so much of a entrepreneurship program or startup, at least at Carnegie Mellon at that time. And now there's a whole ecosystem of entrepreneurship, startup classes, speakers, all of that at Carnegie Mellon. I mean, I would definitely be a lot more involved in that entrepreneurship community. I didn't know what it was 10 years ago. There wasn't any programs for it. So in hindsight, and especially for the college students now, entrepreneurship is hot definitely get involved. It's just such an amazing experience in and learning and, and I think also insightful towards what you want, what your purpose in life and mission is. I think the sooner you figure that out, the better the rest of your life becomes. It becomes fulfilling and meaningful. I think another thing I would do is I've only taken one class in artificial intelligence. That's another topic that is could be life-changing, industry-changing. It's been around also for more than 20 years, but now we just have way better computing power to make all of that knowledge methodology and predictions all of that possible and affordable. And therefore you're seeing huge uptake in that. I say a career as a data scientist pays extremely well and it's something, you know, I wish I had learned a lot more about. In fact, I'm still learning more about now and actually doing work in it. And I'd say for all of you in college, go find out what it is, go learn it, go do a project on it and literally make predictions about something. It be The stock market could be the next election, you know, whatever. It's just, there's no limit to the technologies that are available and knowledge that you have literally at your fingertips. And now you don't even have to go to classes in person. There's certainly more opportunities to learn everywhere.
0: What fantastic. Fantastic advice, Ting. I want to give a huge shout out to Alden Zecca, who introduced us, and just thank him so much for connecting the two of us. I don't even know if he realized that we're both in Maryland, which is fantastic. So I can't (laughs) wait to meet you in person and have a real coffee. But in the meantime, I want to thank you so much. From the bottom of my coffee cup tin, for making time for coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community, what you're doing is so vitally important. I love your passion, the energy, and just the, the innovation that you have brought to try to solve one of the biggest problems out there today. So thank you so much for all that you're doing.
1: Thank you for having your series to help us share our learnings. And, you know, also a shout out to Alvin Zeta. He and I founded a um, a consulting firm called We Scale Impact, because we've gone through so much hardship in building our businesses that we want to help other entrepreneurs, particularly social entrepreneurs, to do that. And thank you so much for having this platform, particularly even for social entrepreneurs to kind of extend our knowledge so that we can build a community of more people who want to do well and do good. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live.